Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and today we have part two of our episode talking with Amanda Kelly, yes, Fuegel, Toy Manchester Terrier fame in Canada, is back to join us. All right, y'all, looking to enhance your breeding program? Spring into action with Embark for Breeders Dog DNA Kit. Did you know that Embark tests across 230,000 markers? That's twice as much as its leading competitor, making Embark the most accurate dog DNA test on the market. Embark has customized its probes for results such as 210 plus genetic health risks, 35 traits, and genetic diversity. Each genetic health condition is tested using at least three and up to eight separate probes. This redundancy gives an extremely high genotyping accuracy with over 99.99% accuracy for mutation tests specifically and 99% for most linkage-based tests. Find out why responsible breeders trust Embark to enhance their breeding program. Right now, you can save on the most comprehensive dog DNA kit. Just visit EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders and use code PUREDOGTALK to receive $20 off a full-priced Embark for Breeders dog DNA kit. That's EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders and use the code PUREDOGTALK just for you. So now you've gotten your critique and you're a little pissy about it. (laughs) That would never happen. Never. (laughs) I don't know what dog shows you go to, Laura. Oh, honey. Okay, but let's talk about sportsmanship because this is actually what really spurred on our original conversation that led us here to tonight's discussion. And this is such a weird kind of thing. I was listening to Olympic coverage. I did mention that I'm slightly obsessed. Yes. And there was a story about snowboarding. Now, I'm not much of a snowboarding expert. You're not up there shredding on the mountain? Come on, Amanda. Shocking. (laughs) But I found this so interesting. So there was slope-style snowboarding, for anyone who's familiar with that sport. At the Olympics this year in Beijing, a Canadian, Max Perel, won gold. Another Canadian, Mark McMorris, was third. So, you know, they get their medals, medal ceremony, blah, blah, blah. Afterwards, there's some media interviews to be done. And our bronze medalist says, essentially, I mean, I'm paraphrasing here, but essentially, I had the run of the day and I should have won gold. And our gold medal winner missed a grab on his board. So... Again, not an expert, but my understanding is that, you know, during the flipping around in the air, 
grabbing your board and holding it is worth a chunk of points. And our gold medalist missed his grab. And so instead of grabbing his board, he grabbed his knee. So there's a number of so many interesting things to talk about in this. I want to start with the one that's less obvious. Okay. (laughs) The less obvious piece here is that when your handling teacher tells you whatever happens, just pretend that that's what you meant to do. Yes. It's because you might win a gold medal at the Olympics. Yes. (laughs) That's a beautiful takeaway. I love that. Like, just roll with the punches, people. If your slip falls off while you're going around the ring, you just keep marching right out of it and leave it over there on the other mat. Like, just go with it Mm -hmm. because probably no one's going to know. Well, they might notice if your slip falls off. But, you know, most of the things people are not going to notice. Right. And they're probably not that important. What had ended up happening is that in this particular case, the video feeds that the judges were judging from did not show the jump from that angle. So they Mm. couldn't see it. When Mm. he grabbed his knee, it looked like he had his board and that was good enough for them. So that's the less obvious takeaway. Obviously, you know, maybe the more obvious takeaway here is that there is bad sportsmanship everywhere. Yes. And stealing people's joy and sour grapes and all of the things that bad sportsmanship masquerades as. (laughs) That's right. You need to take your pissy face (laughs) and your bronze medal and your bronze medal back to your car. And you can say whatever you want when you're not at the venue. But for the moment, it's the junior handling lesson of life. You say congratulations. And you mean it. Mean it. If you are gritting your teeth until your tongue bleeds, it doesn't matter. You say congratulations to the person that won because someday that's going to be you. And you shake their hand if it's going to break your arm. That's right. You know, we all win when we shouldn't win and lose when we shouldn't lose. And that's just part of the sport. And it's one of the hardest parts of the sport to deal with. (laughs) But you know, that bronze medalist, if he had been a junior handler, would never have gone on national television and said something so gauche. (laughs) Well, I'll be honest with you. I was embarrassed for him when I heard, I thought, oh my heavens, like, did he really just say that on national television? And he did apologize. And this is, I think, another thing I found really interesting about this story. He apologized, but he apologized in private. And I always find that to be a really interesting dynamic. I remember years ago, we sold a puppy to a man who was a trainer. I want to say he was a boxer and he had trained Russell Crowe for. Mm. Oh, wow. So he was telling us about, you know, what it was like being in Australia, working with Russell Crowe and that he had a great work ethic, et cetera, et cetera, but that he had a really terrible temper. Mm. And he would fly off the handle and just scream at people. And then he would apologize in private. Mm -hmm. And I remember this gentleman talking about how that made him feel. Mm -hmm. That having a public explosion and then apologizing in private is just not quite enough. And I see it happen a lot in dogs. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of it in dogs. And, you know, this takes me back to newspaper reporter days. You make a public mistake, you make a public apology. 
those are the things and that's how that goes. And that's, that's just, there's laws in life and that's one of them. Well, and you know, in going back to our Olympic story, in fairness, I mean, he did tell everyone that he apologized. So to a certain extent, it was a public apology, but it really kind of jumped out at me as something mm-hmm. that I think we need to think about more mm-hmm. when we're dealing with anybody in our lives, but when we're dealing in dogs, when we're trying to keep people in this sport and, you know, today's culture to the contrary, being mean and nasty and generally unpleasant to someone isn't cool. It's just not. Well, I think that we also forget sometimes that our relationships in dogs are often very much affected by distance. So we don't see people every day. So the thing that wouldn't really be a big deal if you said it to me today and then I saw you tomorrow and we had coffee together. Mm hmm. It becomes more of a big deal because I only see you once every two years. And I still remember the last time you saw me and said that horrible thing. Exactly. And I remember how you made me feel, you know, that whole adage about mm-hmm. people won't remember what you said, but they'll remember how you made them feel. Yep. Yeah. So I think that we forget that. I mean, it's such an interesting look. We could do a whole conversation, Laura, about friendships in the dog world. Yes. And I know you're on social media and I know you rarely look at what I say, but one of the things that I posted just the other day, was a repost from a million years ago that was the original coining of the phrase, if you will, of our tribe. And it talked about when Don and Pat Rogers had their wreck and how all the people who helped, some were their friends, some were not. And they were still out there looking for the whippet that escaped during the wreck. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all of the things that make this our tribe and make it special are the people the friendships. And one of the pieces of that is the sportsmanship. Yeah. You know, first of all, I hang on your every word on social media. So I know what you're talking about. I read that when you posted it. And it's 100% true. No, it's 100% true. I think that you cannot be best friends with people that you compete with every weekend. I have never really seen it work. Mm. You know, there's always going to be a winner and always going to be a loser. Now, I mean, look, there are maybe rare exceptions, but they would be the exception to the rule. Well, and I think what you do have, and I do see this a lot, you have respectful adversaries and Mm -hmm. respectful is the key phrase there. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not respectful, then you have bitter enemies and nobody wants to do that. Respectful is important and respect goes both ways. (laughs) We both give and receive respect. I think that's the transition to spine. I don't know what you're going to say about spine, but that feels like that transition to me. Maybe. I do want to say one more thing about sportsmanship though. Go. Here's the thing. I gave an example of bad sportsmanship. Mm -hmm. It would be absolutely the exception to the general rule of, I think, the Olympic spirit. And We see the Olympic spirit in many stories every time there's an Olympic Games. This year, I think the one that really stood out to me was Ivo Niskanen from Finland, who waited. You know, he won the gold in that cross-country skiing. Mm -hmm. He waited for the last place skier to cross the line before he would celebrate his gold. Right. Because he had respect for the fact that every person in that race, no matter where they finished, had worked really hard to get there. And I think that maybe, you know, we need a little bit more Olympic spirit in our sport 
There's tons of great examples of this as well. But I think that what happens is that we're more likely to go online or, you know, wherever we like to air our grievances Mm -hmm. and talk about the bad things that have happened. Right. That news travels much faster than the good things. But perhaps our challenge for 2022 is to try to find one thing that happens this year that is an example of good sportsmanship and promise ourselves that when that one thing happens, however small it is, we're going to post about that this year. Yeah. Yeah. That falls right into the 12 steps to a happier you in the dog world. I'm saying that's right. It's right up there. Hang tight guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. Pure Dog Talk is proudly sponsored by Trupanion, medical insurance for the life of your pet. Trupanion cares passionately about pets and makes sure their policy has what it takes to serve you and your furry companions. In fact, they are the first pet insurance provider to cover certain health conditions associated with breeding animals through their specialized breeding rider. Their industry-leading coverage does not stop there. Trupanion's free breeder support program also allows you to send your litters home protected with an offer for a Trupanion policy. Learn more about all of the perks that Trupanion offers breeders by following the link on my partner page at puredogtalk.com. All right, so spine. Let's talk about spine. Oh, spine. Do tell. I want to hear this one because this is interesting to me. Yeah, spine for me, when I talk about spine in the Olympics, I think of two things. One is, you know, kind of the classic idea of persevering. Right. You know, I think about persevering in the face of challenges. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's injuries in sports, in dogs. Courage, I think, is another. Oh, my gracious. Mm -hmm. There are so many challenges in showing dogs and breeding dogs. I mean, health issues. And I mean, anything can go wrong at any point in the process between planning a breeding and actually walking into the ring with a dog. Or walking out with a best in show ribbon. Anywhere in there. (laughs) That's right. Exactly. So that's, I think, probably the classic example of spine. For me, I think that it's being willing to stand your ground. That I think has been a challenging one for me. You know, I'm sort of that person that wants everybody to be happy and I want everybody to love me. And (laughs) we love you, Amanda. That's really all that counts. Do you remember, Laura? And again, this seems so silly and maybe not related at all to the Olympics, but let's talk about it anyway. (laughs) Do you you remember the moment in your life when you realized that not everyone that you like and who you know likes you? Oh, sweetie. You haven't met me. I was a very, 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 very unpopular child. <laughs> I was like six when that came to me. So I don't know what you're talking about. I just remember, you know, I like everybody. I mean, it is a rare, rare person that I meet that I can't find something that I like about them. I mean, I can literally talk to a tree stump. So I guess it just never really occurred to me that. It sounds so silly and naive, but I just remember being a teenager and being like, oh my God, that person doesn't like me. They don't like me. What? How do they not like me? They don't even know me. Oh my gosh. Okay. So Amanda, Amanda, 
Yes. You and I come from different backgrounds. I came from the background where the boys at the bus stop threw my Wonder Woman lunchbox underneath the bus the first day of first grade. And my best friend in third grade was the librarian, Mrs. Young. (laughs) And I was the only third grader on the planet that knew the Dewey Decimal System by heart. So when you say you're a nerd, no, sister, I was a nerd. (laughs) Oh, Laura, look, I am not claiming that I was well-liked. Like, this is not a case of reality. This is just a case of, I think, lack of self-awareness. I mean, in grade seven, I had glasses the size of my entire forehead, braces, and permed hair with permed bangs. Wow. I want you to just take a moment. Plus, you know, I was a roly-poly kid. So just take a moment and envision the beauty that was me Mm -hmm. in grade seven. Mm -hmm. I don't think for a second that it was that I had gone through my entire life being adored by all and sundry. I just think that there's a moment in your life where you kind of come to this realization that there are just people in the world who aren't going to like you no matter what you do. You don't jive. Yep, that's a fact. Accepting that can be a difficult thing. And I think that this type of sport, this type of subjective sport tends to draw people who are looking outside of themselves for reassurance and validation. Yes. You know, this is, and I've said it before, and we've talked about it before, dog shows are an ego sport. We do it on some level for some sort of return in that area of our lives. And so thinking about what that is and being able to overcome the challenges that come with whatever reason we're doing it for, I think that self-awareness piece and having the spine to be able to stand your ground and say, it doesn't matter to me if it's unpopular. It doesn't matter to me if all the cool kids are doing it and I don't want to. I'm going to do what I want to do the way I want to do it based on my own opinion and my own values. Right. And I think that that's kind of where I was going with it. The idea that I have my knowledge. I have acquired knowledge. I have sat at the feet of mentors. I have created a family of dogs and I will be damned if I'm going to make them look like something that I don't think meets the standard just because other people think it's prettier. It's such an interesting thing to me as far as that transition when you are new. Mm -hmm. You know, you and I don't have as much of an appreciation for this because we grew up in dogs, Mm -hmm. but there is a moment in relationships and mentoring relationships where you have outgrown the relationship that you're in. Yes. Where you can still respect and value the opinion of your mentor, but you don't need them in the same way that you did. You've learned what they have to teach you. They've given you skills and you're wanting to, like a teenager, you know, ready to break out of their house at 18 or, you know, in today's age, 30. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think... There's that moment in a mentoring relationship where you don't need your coach going back to our Olympics. Right. You don't need your training wheels. You're ready to go out on your own. You're relying on the training you have to go out and make decisions. And that can be a really difficult time to navigate in a mentoring relationship. Now that I actually can date. I could go find the conversation. (laughs) Serious. This was not all that terribly long ago, to be honest. And I had come home from a national and I'd done my usual national wrap up and I had made observations that I had seen 
on some of the entry at the show, good and bad, and posted it on my kennel page. You know, this is what I see. I think we need to pay attention to X. And my mentor was, or one of my mentors was judging that year and took great umbrage at what I had said and called me in like the middle of the night to read me the riot act about this. And I had to say, listen, I drove halfway across the country to show you dogs I didn't think you'd like. There's no disrespect here. This mm -hmm. is my observation based on the knowledge that you gave me. Right. I get to form my own opinion. Well, and that's exactly it, Laura. You know, I always say that everybody who reads a breed standard is entitled to an opinion. Long as it's an informed opinion. <laughs> well, yes and no. Our breed standards are written documents that we give to people with no additional information. Yes. So sometimes it's quite interesting to hear yes. what people see when they yes. read those documents. Absolutely. When they true. don't know what the greater context is. And I think that a great kind of commentary on that is looking at how dogs in breeds, not all that differently described in their breed standards can look so incredibly different when they evolve in a different population or a different area of the world. Yes. So there's a great conversation to be had in many breeds. I know certainly in mine. At the same time, though, the greatest conversations that we have are the conversations like this, where you're having a conversation with someone whose opinion you respect. Yes. And I think that a mentor's greatest moment should be when they realize that they're having a conversation with their student and they actually care about the informed opinions that are coming out of their mouth, regardless of whether or not they agree with them. Right, exactly. And I think it's important as mentors that we recognize, that we check ourselves as we've mentored these people, as we've given them insight, whatever, we've watched them grow up, that we check ourselves. And when a mentee comes to us and says something and we want to put our back up, we need to check ourselves and yep. say, you know, <laughs> right? Yep. Okay. So I have two more little things that I want to touch okay. on before we end this conversation. Okay. Give me it. One is I want to say something, and I don't know that it really fits into the Olympic theme, but it's been kind of playing on my mind lately. I am here for you. I am your voice, Amanda. <laughs> okay. So I really think that in the dog world, we have to be cognizant of context for the importance of our sport and the people in it. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of stuff that's going on in the world right now that is a lot more important than who wins yes. at the dog show. Absolutely. So get a little perspective yeah. is number one. When I say at handling class, it's not world peace. Suddenly that takes on whole new meaning. It absolutely does. Number two, do not ever drink your own Kool-Aid. <laughs> oh, Lord. It doesn't matter who you are in the dog world. Your important celebrity fame is or a tadpole <laughs> in the mud puddle of life. I've always people. said, you know, and I greatly admire these two handlers. So I'm not saying it in any way, shape or form to take away from anything they've accomplished. But, you know, when Ernesto Lara or anybody really goes to the grocery store, people are not queuing up for an autograph. 
I think that sometimes we lose sight of what we're doing and why we're doing it. So I took a really great pleasure in watching the last competition, Olympic competition, probably competition in general, for the amazingly great snowboarder, Sean White, Mm. an American example this time. (laughs) Well done. There were some Americans there. Just That's right. There were Americans at the Olympics too. The thing that he said, so he finished fourth, an incredible competitor, an incredible career. And when he finished, he said that it wasn't really for him this time about winning. It was about squeezing the joy out of it. Mm. And I thought, wow, what a great way of looking at our sport as we hopefully (laughs) exit this terrible pandemic period that we've been in where, you know, many of us haven't traveled, right? Seen any people, let alone, you know, their dog, our people, right, right. For a long time, you know, squeezing the joy out of the moments that you're there means making your trip about more than the ribbon that you leave the ring with. I 1000 million hundred gazillion percent agree with that. I just this last weekend drove eight hours each way for the pleasure of judging a very small handful of Norwegian elk hounds at the request of a good friend. Mm -hmm. I was treated to the opportunity to judge an enormous number of gleeful peewees just by virtue of walking in the door at the right time. And it was one of the best weekends I've had in ages. And it was because I got to see my people, see my tribe. (laughs) I got to share the joy with 20 little kids who were having a blast. I got to sit with a legend in her time, Pat Trotter, and learn more about (laughs) her breed. Right. And it was a fabulous weekend. No, I didn't judge Best in Show. No, I didn't get on AKC TV. I don't care. I had a blast. It just helped my mental health so much because it has been hard for all of us. And I think it spoke to me about my occasionally pissy attitude about life and finding the joy. You are 100% correct is always the answer. So that I think is maybe a good place to end because I think that we've sort of covered the gamut on our Olympic topics. (laughs) And I think that maybe the best idea and the challenge that we put out to people this year is to hashtag squeeze the joy. I love it. I love it. I am hashtagging squeeze the joy as we speak. (laughs) Amanda, you are a treasure yourself and a pleasure. And you make me happy every time I talk to you. So this is my version of squeezing the joy. I'm not squeezing the Charmin. I'm squeezing (laughs) the joy, man. (laughs) I see a t-shirt. I definitely see a t-shirt. Speaking of which, there will be an upcoming lightning round with Laura at which Amanda Kelly might miraculously appear. So y'all, I'm just saying, follow. (laughs) Thank you, Amanda. Thanks, Laura. Like the NPR of dogdom, Pure Dog Talk is here for you. To make sense out of everyday things. To add nuance to your understanding and tools to your attack box. To bring history to life and propel the living history of purebred dogs into the future. 
So check it. June 1st is our patrons retreat workshop in the Chicago suburbs up northwest of Chicago in the Lake Villa area. The workshops are open to everyone and you can check out the handler clinic in order to sort of polish your performance in the ring, get a little finesse. You can also check out the fine print session with dog savvy lawyer, Jen Emmonson about sort of nailing down your contract language and getting that right. Heads up. There might be a couple rooms left at the retreat. If you want to hang with basically the coolest crew in dogs for a couple nights, visit www.puredogtalk.com for details. Don't forget, while you're there zooming around on the website, go take a look at the Pure Dog Talk swag link. You know, you can share the love with all that cool gear. Check it all out. www.puredogtalk.com because your support adds up to a huge voice for purebred dogs. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. Our Dog Show Superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers Desk at your next show. Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk.